Welcome, everybody, to the Interesting People I Know podcast. I'm Carrie Freitas. Um, it's a beautiful day here in Southern California. My podcast guest is having a beautiful day up in Northern California, where I want to go visit her. It just looks so beautiful, and I think it's in Mendocino, she'll tell us. Mendocino County, I should say. Um, her name is Leslie Kristen. And she, I met her, it seems like a million years ago, it was probably like 10, but maybe seven. And um, I met her because she was doing editorial fashion styling, personal styling for, you know, independent clients, um, and just like super like knew a lot of people in the community, the arts community in Laguna and beyond and super vibey and super cool. Um, and then I've watched her just do all these amazing things with her sons and her family. Uh, and now, um, just did some life changing moves in the past few years. So, um, welcome Leslie Kristen to the podcast. Well, thank you, Carrie. It's so lovely to be here. I'm super excited for you. I totally admire you and I find you to be quite interesting too. Oh, so thank you. Apropos, right? Thank <laughs> you. I love it. So we'll be interesting to each other. And um, you're my first ever phone interview. So you're like the, the guinea pig for all phone interviews okay. going forward. So thank you for That's being what I was wondering. like so, kind okay. of, you know, just like my little <laughs> test here. Um, and you sound great. And um, I'm just super stoked to talk to you today. And, and, you know, even though I think all of us are so humble and like, oh, I'm not interesting. It's like, actually, we're all interesting, but you're like yeah. next level interesting in my opinion. So I um, no pressure, okay, cool. no pressure. Um, cool. So okay. talk to me a little bit about your history. So you grew up in Laguna, right? Am I right? I think you did. Yes. Okay. Um, Laguna Beach, yeah. Yeah. And like, what was it? Did you love growing up in Laguna? I mean, I know like I'm always like mixed when people ask me, did you love growing up in Newport? It's such a great place. I'm like, yes and no. Um, but what was it like growing up in Laguna? Yeah, I mean, I think I was so naive as a child that, of course, I loved it. You know, it was like the center of my universe. And then when I left at 18 and lived in Los Angeles uh, to go to school, like I was like, oh, wow, this is really different. And then when I traveled the world, looking back, I was like, holy crap, you know, like Laguna is such a little bubble. So um, it's someplace that I didn't really want my kids to actually end up growing up in. Yeah, it's so funny because, like, I always say um, that, you know, my whole, like, storyline, you know, is that, of course, I came back here and had kids, but I maintained, like, when I went to school in L.A. and lived in San Francisco and traveled, I was like, I'm never raising kids in Newport Beach. And then, of course, yeah. you know, where do I find myself? <laughs> you know, dead center yeah. uh, in Newport. And it's just, like, one of those things where, you know, I feel like, and we'll talk about this because... Um, this is like, you know, we're segueing so beautifully. Thank you. into yeah. this next topic. I mean, it's hard to get away, though. You know, like my whole family is there. I mean, to pack up and just leave. You know, yeah. Familiar place. Well, and that's the thing is, so you, I mean, and again, you're going to have to remind me because like, you know, of course, I go super deep on social um, all the time. So I probably <laughs> crept on you like many times vicariously living through your experiences. I'll fess up to that. Um, but you went. I feel like you lived abroad in Croatia first. I mean, tell me a little bit about how you and your husband mm -hmm. decided to take your boys who were then, you'll share what ages they were, um, and live abroad. Just, I mean, how does one even come up with that idea? And then how do you actually do it? Yeah, so three years ago, maybe four years ago now, because we've been back, um, we just decided that, you know, our lifestyle we were living is, was just not conducive to what we wanted to do. And we wanted our boys to kind of see something else. Uh, something beyond um, this little area. And I mean, I, I had it kind of easy because my mom owns a house in Croatia. <laughs> I right. am Croatian. Okay. So it wasn't like, I, I mean, we did sell everything we owned. I mean, we do have a storage unit, you know, full of memories, but um, we did sell everything in our house and we're like, okay, we're going to do it. And we're going to see what happens. So uh, we I mean, went to Uganda. Okay. We got to talk about that first. too. Okay. <laughs> So the, the process was Uganda for a month, and we'll talk about that later while we were there. And then we went to Greece and Egypt, and then we finally settled in Croatia, and we lived there for eight months. Now, you mentioned, and I think I know the answer, but I want the listeners to get it, and I kind of want to hear more from you. You know, when you say that living in this bubble, you know, here of, you know, we're 
privileged, you know, or have been privileged to live here, depending on, you know, if you're living here now or have, um, what wasn't, what about it wasn't conducive to what you wanted to be doing for you, your husband and your kids? Like what, and again, I'm not here to hate on, you know, Orange County because it's given us so many great opportunities and it's beautiful, but what about it wasn't working for you? Well, um, for us, initially it was schooling. Um, my son was in an immersive program where he was learning Spanish. So he's like fully bilingual in Spanish. And, um, you know, he had a really terrible teacher and I, we couldn't get him out of school. We couldn't switch classes. And that kind of started us thinking like, okay, how can we be in control of our children's education a little bit more? You know, how can we show them things that are beyond this. And so that kind of really was the catalyst to make the move. And then we knew that the house was free and not rented. It got rented in the summertime and we went for the fall and winter. Okay. So it's like things just started falling in line. Like, okay, we had started our charity and then we knew that we were traveling for that. Uh, It's just, we just needed something more. I mean, I had a great job. My husband had a great job. You know, but my husband could work remotely. And so we kind of had the opportunity to just kind of jump on it. And we just went for it. You know, it's kind of crazy. People are like, why are you doing this? Was there any? I don't know. Like, why not? (laughs) Well, exactly. But was there there any, I mean, was there fear? Like, did you ever look at your husband and go like, what the heck are we doing? Like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we were having a garage sale, I was like crying. Well, yeah, because I mean, you're literally looking at your life in possessions, right? And you're like, buy couch, buy this, buy that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really weird thing. But I mean, starting over is also really fun, you know? So yeah, I mean, we, there's ev- so much, but it didn't stop us to actually doing it, you know, which was, I was glad. Would you say mm-hmm. that you all, though, are is that kind of in your DNA? Like, are, would you, are, do you feel like you're more adventurous than your friends or risk taking, or is this like unlike you or? No, I'm a total risk taker. I jump. Okay. Like, I don't think a lot. <laughs> I mean, I do think and I do plan, but um, I just always know that it's going to be okay. Like I've always just realized like it's going to be okay. Whatever happens, Where? you know, and I don't need, to own a huge house or like, you know, like be in a certain place. Like I just kind of like let that go. And, but like, was there ever a battle to let that go? Because when you grow up here uh, and probably a lot of places in the world, to be honest, there's this whole like uh, achievement, like acquisition culture, like material wealth. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so like, yeah. did you have to kind of unlearn that or did you, were you raised in a family that didn't value that? Or like, how did you get there to this? No, I mean, my family values, like, let's show everyone what we have, like total opposite, I guess, than I am. And I'll tell you like traveling to Uganda, like for the first time before we made the move and traveled back, I had a, a huge ego death, you know, like, you look at things around you and you look at people surviving and you look at the things that you have and my career. I mean, obviously I was shopping for women and I was buying tens of thousands of dollars worth of clothing for women to feel better about themselves. And, and I think I really did make a difference in a lot of women's lives. It, it wasn't always superficial, you know? Right. But then you go to these places and you see the, how happy these people are. And, and, you know, you're like, well, who has it better? <laughs> you know, like, my son who's complaining about Wi-Fi, you know, or this kid that, you know, is so happy to be running around with, you know, and shoes that are falling apart. You know, it's like, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing to experience. And we were there for a month to begin. So we totally immersed ourselves in the culture and got to know people on a deeper level. And I mean, it just really changed my perspective on life. When you say like ego death, like that's such an interesting term to me. Um, like, can you take me a little bit deeper into that? Like, what that feels yeah, so like? I, I, you know, I mean, I, I have grown up in privilege, and I have grown up, like, a really good life. And I feel like I've been very lucky. And I just kind of thought about, you know, um, why I didn't need all that. You know, why I could live a simpler life. And I would still be happy. And so, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to shop for women after I got back. You know, I yeah. wanted to go yeah. into women. Like, why do you need the, the 
the school mom who's the meanest woman to tell you you look great. You know, let's go deeper into that. Like, it's not because you have a cute outfit. You know, there's something so much deeper. And from that point on, I mean, in my career as a stylist, like, I was helping women. Like, I've had women cry in front of me. They're just like, I just feel so good. Thank you so much. You know, but I wanted to go deeper into that. You know, I didn't want to necessarily have to buy material things to make women feel right. better. But when with the ego death and this, like, perspective, was there any... Sh- like, and I don't want you to feel shame, but did you feel any shame or was it like all happy realization or did you feel like shit? Like I've been doing it wrong. Like, or, or yeah, was it- no, there was a okay. lot of shame associated with it. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, I built my whole life. I knew what I wanted to do when I was 13. Like I, you know, when you like build your whole life to do something and then you're kind of like, wait, I don't want to do this anymore. And these are the reasons, you know? And so when you say but that you were talking about like, fashion styling, editorial styling, having a family, like all these things is like what you've envisioned since 13. Is that what you're saying as far as? Well, I wanted to own a store at 13. Okay. And then I was growing up and I'm like, wait, I don't have to own the store. I don't have to buy the merchandise. I could just borrow it (laughs) or buy it from other people. And then that clicked. I'm like, okay, I don't even need to own a store. Like I'm just going to style people, you know, on my own. Right. So, so, so basically like, you, so, there, so there's probably like some, like you're saying then cognitive dissonance about, um, yeah, yeah. Like that vision and that, that visions, the ego death and then the vision death almost like, like I'm, yeah. that my vision's changing, you know? Yeah. Um, let's yeah. talk about, you know, and we're going to jump around. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to come back to some other things, but I want to talk about how you all got to Uganda. So how, I, I want you to tell the story of Micah, who's your oldest son. Um, yeah. And I know it starts like when he's like six or seven, but tell me mm-hmm. about like his moment with your husband shopping and then how that turned <laughs> into like an epiphany that turns into a nonprofit. Like, can you take me through that story? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So my son and my husband were in a Lego store and uh, you know, my son loves Legos still. He's 13 now. He still loves Legos. He loves building things. And uh, you know, they're in the store and Mike is asking for, can I have this Lego? Can I have this Lego? And my husband gives him the, you know, there's kids in Africa that don't have toys. You know, you can't just keep getting toys. And so he picks up two Lego sets and he's like, okay, well, I'll take this one and then we can send this one to Africa. And my husband's just like, I don't know exactly if he could do that. Yeah, like what's the P.O. box in Africa that this is going to? Like, how will that work? Exactly. So he kind of sat on it for a while and he's like, can I do that? Like, what, you know, this kid might be onto something. And my son's like 13, but he's really like 45. So when he's six, (laughs) he's like, he's pretty. He's already 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. He's a very unique and special child. He's just awesome. Um, and so we kind of, you know, thought about it and in the, and just proceeded. And uh, in the first year, we, um, I think we got 80 pounds of Lego total. Okay, which is a lot. Now, but yeah. Which is a lot. And, you know, in our house. And, <laughs> you know, we've, we've always had people in marketing and PR. So we had friends helping us out with PR and let's just get this thing rolling. We had someone make a website. We got our 501c3, you know, after going through that, that's a long process. And now I think we get about 300 pounds of Lego a week. Like that comes to like, does it come to a warehouse now? Does it come to you? Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we were having, we had a president came to a PO box and that, you know, then we have a storage unit and now we have like a total facility and we've actually moved it, uh, more towards like there's one in Laguna Beach and there's one in uh, Santa Rosa and Northern California too. Okay. And so basically Micah is shopping with your husband um, and he gets the whole, you know, like I remember growing up, like what your family's like, I mean, this never happened oh, yeah. to me because I always finished all the food on my plate. You never had to tell me, but I'm just saying like <laughs> other kids that weren't like me that like there are starving kids in Africa when you didn't eat your broccoli. Um, yeah. You know, this is kind of like the taking this to the next level with Lego and Micah yeah. and being like, well, I, I didn't know there were, you know, he got perspective in that moment with your husband at, you know, Toys R Us or Lego is like, oh my gosh, other kids don't have this. Like I've been taking this for granted and then decides he wants to help those kids get Lego. 
So they have something. Oh, yeah. And so I mean, from a six year old brain. <laughs> That's you know, yeah. well, and that was so interesting because on my last podcast, I talked to Bridget um, Belden from Ripple Kids about these are the kids like the the young kids are the ones with like they're not jaded, they're not discouraged, they're like, well, we can change that. We're just going to send the Lego. Like you know, he doesn't have a Lego. Let's get him a Lego. Like it's that easy. How do we do it? You know, and so it's like as adults, we get all caught up in the five hundred one c three, which I know is necessary, but like he doesn't have to think about that. He's just like solution, you know, problem solution. And so it's like one thing to collect Lego um, and then send it. But like he actually wanted to go to Uganda. I mean, that's my understanding. So is that the trip you just you referenced at the top of the interview? Like we're going to Uganda before. Okay, so tell me about that. No, So we had gone. So they had gone to Uganda with another charity just to check it out. They were doing uh, solar panels on top of a hospital. In okay. Uganda. And so, so your husband, my husband okay. So who, and Micah went okay. and Micah's like seven years old. So it happened that pretty fast. You know, like, well, let's see if this is viable. Let's see. So they took about two, maybe like 200 pounds with them as like carry on. You know, they okay. took like. <laughs> was that weird? Like, like, I'm like, a, I mean, I'm assuming they checked it, but it was like, they're probably like, who are these people that are like so crazy about Lego? Like. That's yeah, no, I hilarious. love it going into the airport because, you know, they're very nice. Like a lot of times you get free luggage, which, sorry, everyone else, yeah. because we're doing charity work. <laughs> but you People should. carrying like big bags of Lego. Um, it's interesting walking through an airport. I mean, we send them like we've done uh, air freight, we've done ships, and then we carry on. Okay. That's just hilarious. Cause um, I mean, no offense to people that have all their, you know, that pack heavy and pack all their Chloe <laughs> bags and all their different, you know, yeah. gear, their, their <laughs> like Le Mer, you know, creams, but it's like, yeah, exactly. I would much rather have you guys get free luggage, you know, fees for the Lego. than I don't care about other people with their, you know, huge bags. Yeah. Sorry. Other yeah, people. So sorry. they went to Uganda sorry. for this other mission, um, just mm-hmm. to check it out. And like, what was the reaction from Micah? Like, on well, that. I mean, imagine, a, yeah, a six-year-old brain, like, thinking that kids don't even have Lego in a Lego store. Like, that's just mind-blowing. He's, you know, how could you possibly not think that kids all around the world are just like you? Right, <laughs> you know? totally. So he goes to Uganda, and it's like, I mean, for him, I mean, I can't say that's an ego death from him because he doesn't have an ego death, but it was just, like, full-on explosion of the brain and the heart, you know? Well, because these kids are like, like that I, was like, not only do they have Lego, they don't have shoes. They don't have a roof. They don't have There's food. no food. Yeah. I mean, so every time we go there, we do feed everyone, too. Like, I want to make that that's a point, too. You know, like, okay. these kids, like, in order to play well, like, they need food. They need toys, you know, water, all that stuff. Um, yeah, so he went there, and he was just like, this isn't acceptable, you know? And through his mind giving them a toy that he very much loved was what could help out in the situation. So it was really cute. He came back and he's like, I don't want any presents. It was his birthday when he came back. Like, I just want to work on this charity. I, you know, I want to get kids Lego. So, so and really play well, cute. um, Lego, I think means play well in like some other cool language that I don't know, like some Scandinavian language or maybe it's German. I don't know, but, um, yeah, no, it's a, yeah. Play well Africa is, um, is our charity name okay yeah, and yeah it means play well based um, on like logo. they go right they go means play well and so so you formed the charity and then so the trip to uganda that kind of be, started your like more global odyssey with your kids and your husband um was that your first official mission to uganda for play well or was it not i mean so yeah, so that okay. was actually when we finally so we went um another time before and uh, we spent about um, two weeks there. And then the final mission was like, okay, now let's go travel the world. We're going to hit up Uganda first for a month. And then we're going to go on to other places. So we had been there, you know, a time or, you know. Right. Can you they t- had been there twice before. Me and my other son had now been there one time before. Can you tell me like about, so to me, it's like we talked about the ego death piece for you personally and then Micah's perspective. Um, yeah. But like, what is it like? Can you tell us like, for those of us that will probably never do this, Leslie, like, what is it like to live in Uganda for a month? Like, 
what does that look like? It's crazy. I mean, Uganda looks just like Costa Rica. It's like uh, very lush, but it's like dry, and then it'll just start raining. Uh, we were in rural Uganda for a long time, and that's where we kind of set up camp. We lived in a really nice hotel, you know, that I think was like $13 a day. Okay. We had breakfast every morning. We had, um, sometimes we were the only guests, so I made dinner in the kitchen before my son did, you know, like they became kind of like family. I mean, we were there for a month. What does really nice um, hotel mean though in rural Uganda? I just want to get a sense. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I'm yeah, sure. Was it like, I don't, I haven't um, seen like the St. Regis have an outpost there. So I'm just curious. Like, no. Okay. For like, uh, it was, it was pleasant. Like it wasn't, I mean, it was totally clean and organized and I mean, it was, it was nice. Like it was livable. I feel like I'm a little more high maintenance when it comes to like living environment. So if I'm saying preaching to the choir, sister. <laughs> yeah, like that's one thing, you know, a bed and a nice pillow and, you know, a nice shower is, you know, sorry, like yeah, I no. need to have that. Right. But I mean, Uganda, Kampala, Uganda is very metropolitan. I mean, there's a lot of contract workers there. They have many uh, um, nice restaurants in the hotels. There's a lot of Americans and Europeans that live there. It's, uh, there's a lot of Asians and Indians that have businesses there. Like, it, it, It's interesting to go to a place where someone or everyone has no idea what it's like and then tell them about it. And yeah. you can't wrap your head around it until you go. Like, You're like, okay, this, like, I could live here and do something different. You know, like, did you... I mean, I did that in Croatia. I did that in, like, Egypt. You right. know, like, you can't get it until like you see it and because we've it. told you know yeah and feel it like oh africa was so scary you know like yeah, i mean were you ever dying. scared like did it feel unsafe did it feel crazy i never felt unsafe okay i never felt unsafe i mean there is men and guards with machine guns but that's their gun police officers have handguns like they have machine guns like i mean you're very protected over there i mean they see someone who's white like you're unfortunately the first person they're going to protect. <laughs> so yeah. like, that's yeah. just like, well, cause you're yeah, like a kidnap yeah. risk or, you know, something worse. Yeah. I mean, I never felt, I never felt scared. I mean, we were in Egypt. I never felt scared there. I mean, maybe I'm just naive, Which um, is but I don't great. feel scared in these places. I just feel like people, you know, my, my family, they're just like, you can't go do that. You, that's too scary. It's like, it was just not scary to me. Well, like, I wasn't going to sit in Orange County and wait for something to happen there and not go and experience something else. Right. You know, I think that we demonize places, you know, that shouldn't be demonized. Yeah, that we don't you know, understand, yeah, we, that we've never experienced. Yeah. Right. We There's stuff all over um, America. <laughs> totally. North America. And like and a lot of it think, worse than you would find that. in a Uganda. Oh. Yeah. And I, so day to day when you're there for a month, like, are you going into villages? Like, are you, what is, what is happening? Like, what is, what does the day look like when you're living there? Yeah. I mean, we were there for a month and that was a little bit too long. We were just waiting to travel on. Um, so after a while I got a little like, okay, what are we going to do now? But our, yeah, day to day was either going to schools and we'd set up a whole program at schools and then we'd travel to the rural, more rural areas and give it to some of the kids in like the bush or kids that couldn't go to school. We had uh, little Lego meetings in the markets, the food markets, and had all the kids come to that. What were like, so, yeah, I was just, what does a school look like in Uganda for the kids that get to go to school? Like, what is that environment? It's pretty bare bones. I mean, the, it's like a concrete building. Um, it's pretty hot there at times, obviously. So, like, no window coverings, no air conditioning. Um, they're pretty strict. I mean, those kids know English, and they write perfect. And they know, like, five languages, because there's oh. lots of languages in Uganda. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I look at them, and it's just and perfect English. Um, the writing is, like, spectacular. You're just like, wow, how did a six-year-old write that? They really regard education as, like, top priority. So that's great. And you wouldn't honestly know that. I think just 
living here in the the bubble that I'm in, uh, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that those Uganda school kids know five languages and can write perfectly. I have no idea that that's happening. Yep. And is it like yep. um, like old, like we hear about on the prairie, right? Like it's a one-room schoolhouse with all the grades levels together. Is it? Is it, do they have grade levels? No. I mean, okay. So, I mean, schools have like 1,200 kids. And wow. they're all in their grade. Okay. They're all lumped together. And it's by, um, it's not by, some of it's by age, but it's really by level of proficiency, okay. which I kind of like. Yeah, know? totally. Like, um, or, and, but you are kind of surrounded by everyone else, though. So you are advancing. Right. And that probably helps too. I think that like they've done studies about like, um, I remember when there was big uproars in like public schools here about um, like blended classrooms, like no one wanted the blended classroom, right? Like you're like, I don't want to be in the three, four, you know, but they've done, right. So I read up on it and I'm like, I'm cool with it because actually the studies show that it's one, there's the aspirational or exposure kind of learning that the younger kids getting to the older ones and the mentorship. And then also the feeling of mastery and help um, and, you know, mentorship that goes top down. So like the fourth grader helping the third grader. So I've heard nothing but great things about that. I don't feel like we allow kids to learn at their own pace. And that's just my opinion. It's kids have to read by this age. They have to be doing this by that age. And I just kind of gave up on that after I was so neurotic about it. You know, my kid needs to read right now. It's like some kids don't read till they're eight. And I just wanted my kids to have the flexibility, their own pace. And and then, you know, and, and by the time we took them on a trip, so my son, my youngest son was in kindergarten. And so he's been, you know, world school and homeschool since kindergarten. Well, he taught himself how to read and he knows how to do math. Like, I don't know if he's just like, like, I don't, I didn't teach him these things. You know, I mean, I did, but like, he's just instantly like, it's just an interesting dynamic to have one kid go through fifth grade and one kid go to kindergarten, you know, yeah. and see the different learning styles. And the, I know kid, all kids are different, but it's just, it's interesting to look at how one was a lot more free to learn at his own pace and the other one had a really strict schooling. Right. And I think, and you're schooling them through, is it like online or, you know, how is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Both of them. And is that, is that like a lot of pressure on you as a parent? Um, Like, is it, do you have to teach them things? Cause I would be hard pressed to teach my kids math to, as an example, like, yeah, if I don't know any something, we'll get like a tutor. Okay. But that goes back to that question. Like if you can't, and I know that you're insanely bright, but like if you can't teach your kids something that you learned in school, then why did you know it's like right. maybe that maybe you don't need that us down. You know? Yeah, totally. Like geometry, I'm never gonna use that. Um yeah, no and offense, I just feel like teachers. I'm better in some things than others. My husband's better in some right. things. And there's some things I look at that I don't believe that they will need. Yeah, same. And I might be completely wrong, and they can learn it later. It's a lot of interest-driven learning. My son loves to garden and fish. You know, my other son loves music and sports. Um, you know, they learn the fundamentals, math and English and, you know, all that stuff. And then they're allowed to explore their interests, really. Which sounds like so wonderful to me because that's how, you know, you develop passions. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how I wish I was raised. Me too. You know, I was like super creative. Like I just wanted to do art, something creative all day long. I didn't want to sit in a classroom all day. It like almost was torture for me. Yeah. No, and I, I talked to a lot of people that felt that way. And even people that like liked certain parts of academics felt that way about other classes. Like what a waste of time, you know, and I agree that there has to be a baseline of education just to function. But at the same time, it's like, let them pursue their interests. And I, you know, you don't have to take a bunch of AP classes that, you know, just to whatever, you know, pass muster, you know, societally or with whatever the whole college thing is. So, um, yeah, I have to ask you before we leave the Uganda piece, I just want to know what was the reaction of kids to Micah? Cause I know that Micah actually did, from what I understand, some not like you don't tutor with Legos, but like some demonstrations and like play sessions and and you know what were the the Ugandan kids like? How was their reaction to Micah and to this opportunity? Oh well, they're so they're so nice. Like you just like see all these smiles and you just feel the energy of the room. 
he was giving some demonstrations, like uh, building demonstrations. I mean, we've kind of progressed along the way where we were showing them how to build things. You know, oh, look, we're going to come in and show them how to build Legos and we're going to give them certain sets. And then now we're kind of looking at us like, well, let's just give them a bunch of Lego and see what they build. Right. You know, let's not tell them. Let's let them color out of the line. Yep. You know, they don't have to follow these rules to build this particular thing. I mean, one of the first things we had was a panda bear. And we're like, they don't even know what a panda bear is. It's not even in their their world, you know? So now we just lay out a whole bunch of Lego and we're, we say, you know, build. And they just keep building. And I mean, helicopters, cars, buildings, you know, they're, they're building what they see. Right. You know, they want to be a police officer or they're building a cell phone tower. Like they're building the helicopter they saw fly over, the airplane, you know, like that kind of lends back to like, What's your interest? Totally. Like, it's exactly to like the education. The you can right. build. Yeah. And then, you know, you can build whatever you want. Right. And it's, and so with Play Well Africa, and it's playwellafrica.org. Um, yes. You, so donations obviously of money are helpful. Um, people can donate yeah, I mean, newer used yeah, Lego. We get, we get tons of Lego. We need money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All the parents in in the world want to get rid of their kids' Lego, even though they're fantastic toys. But there comes a point where, like, you're sick of stepping on them. They're so hard to clean up. It's like I'm done. But Lego takes a lot of money to get over to another part of the country. Yes. So yes, we accept uh, uh, money donations. Obviously, Lego Duplo. We love the younger kids. Love Duplo. Um, We'll take it all off your hands. And we have drop off locations in Orange County, and we have a PO box. If you go to their website, there's tons of all the info. And so you mentioned that these these kids and, you know, obviously their families need more than, I mean, they're getting such a a great opportunity for enrichment with the Lego. But um, are you doing other things or partnering with other organizations to do the food and the water? Yeah. So every time we go down there, we partner with several people. We did um, water filters with an organization called the Fate Foundation, and we gave water filters to every school we visited. Uh, the last trip, we uh, partnered with a shoe company that supplied shoes to all the kids. We do pay for food for every day that we're there with the kids. Um, you know. So if I donate money to Play Well Africa, yeah. um, what? so does that go towards just Lego or does that go to the other parts of the mission, like the food and the partnerships? Yeah, to the food and the partnership. Awesome. That's great. Because we do get some funding to send over. Like we want, I mean, the whole mission is the play well thing. How do kids play well? Well, they need nutrition. They need shoes. They need water. Uh, They need an outlet, you know, and and toys. You know, we were talking with one parent and we're now going back and we're seeing the change. So we had one parent who was just like, his brain has changed, you know, like he's just, different and like thinking differently yeah he's smarter like this was a child who was making mud toys which their mud toys are pretty spectacular you know but then they had to wash their hands and use the water that was used for drinking to wash their hands and do all that stuff with lego you build it up and you break it down and you start over again you know like it's so much easier to have as a toy in your house yeah totally it's nice to kind of go back and see that you know, it's You're having an effect, which I love and yeah. good for you all for doing that. And amazing that Micah, you know, had that epiphany at six. Right. So, um, yeah. and then well, that's the funny thing that like if someone asked me, like he's going to be in a uh, documentary, like a French documentary on kids that have changed the world. This one kid was like started a bank in his town, or there's one kid that started a union for the coal workers. Like there's oh, all these gosh. kids that have done, done this stuff. And the guy who was doing the, he's like, you know, do we need to listen to kids more? I'm like, absolutely. Like these kids are like full of knowledge and like information. We just kind of brush them off as like, oh, that's silly. You know, like they're really like the thinkers and the leaders of tomorrow, obviously, you know, and like you said before, he's not jaded. He's not, you know, nothing has happened yet. Right. To these kids and they think the world of possibilities. Exactly. That they have pure hearts and pure vision and pure yeah. ideas. And like you said, yeah. for your husband to go, you know, hey, like, what a great idea, but how the heck would we do that? But then, you know, figuring it out, right? And, oh, it's possible. Here's how we do it, you know, and then it 
yeah. comes to fruition. When you so you yeah. when you lived abroad, so you went to Uganda and then you went. You said Greece, Egypt, and then Croatia for eight months. Um, mm-hmm. Is living abroad as glamorous as it sounds with kids? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Like sometimes you see these like things. It's such an Instagram lifestyle. You know, someone's in France for a week and they're doing all these things. Like what we really adapted was slow living. So we lived in Croatia. I had to walk to the store, you know, every day I didn't have a car. Um, it got freezing there. I mean, I, my mom's like, it's going to be cold in the winter. I'm like, how could it be so cold? Yeah, because you never like, see like the Croatian Insta moments aren't usually in the winter. Right. So, no. yeah. Yeah. So you lived Never. there during Never. the winter. Okay. So the little town we lived on this island just closed up. Every restaurant, every, every <laughs> store, they just, I mean, they literally boarded up. And they, they work for seven months and they don't work for five months. And well, they're is totally it fine with that. All tourism they based? They save their money. Okay. Pardon me? Is it all like a tourism-based economy there? Because that's they're working just during tourist season? That particular area. So okay. we, my family's from Bol, B-O-L, and uh, it's completely tourist-based. Okay. Uh, but then you go to the mainland, like Split and Dubrovnik, and that's like a different story. And we would visit there a lot. Um, I mean, I loved it. I love having the market right there. It was so alive. I was just talking with someone the other day how we were there on Christmas, and we had sushi for Christmas Eve dinner. You know, I'm like, what do I do on Christmas here? Yeah. <laughs> and then Christmas, there was like a little market on the street. And uh, I'm like, goodness, there's going to be no one here. You know, like in America, everyone stays at their house and, you know, they're with their family. Well, all of a sudden, everyone's just on the street walking around. You know, it was like such a different dynamic than anything I had experienced in my other life. It sounds you so know, lovely. Like, the- I'd love to be part of that. I always feel so... Um, Christmas and holidays like that always make you feel like shit about like what you don't have. For some reason, there's always this like, oh, I wish yeah. I had that big family. We're all around the table. And of course, no one's fighting and there's no weird Uncle Bill. And, you know, it's like <laughs> everything's perfect, the Hallmark holiday thing. But like to me, like what a relief to have people out in the street. Like I would love to be part of that energy. Like, oh, it was so beautiful. Like there was bands playing and a market and people were smoking and drinking espresso and kids were playing and it was like really awesome to experience like I'm totally down with the European lifestyle like I could do it I have no problem you know waking up and getting like uh, a pastry and a coffee in the morning you know and then walking around taking a nap in the afternoon that sounds amazing I mean so did you if I could like have money and be able to support that lifestyle like I'm all in a second and did you feel like you said it was slower like tell me a little bit about like how it feels what it looks like to live quote-unquote slower and how it feels to live that way and is there like an adjustment period where you're like like you're not you're not down with the slow yet where you're like, this is making me super anxious. Like where, what am I producing? What's my activity? What's my, you know, next thing. Oh yeah. Well, there's like a term slow living. I mean, I'm a part of like a lot of groups. Like when someone travels, there's a lot of world schooling communities. And, and when you're considered slow living, that means you're taking the time to stay in a spot longer instead of jumping from place to place to place. Okay. So you're immersing yourself more in the community. I mean, I woke up and I'm like, I need to do something, you know? And then all of a sudden you kind of wake up and you're like, I'm kind of fine with not doing anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, like, but it sounds so silly, I'm, but honestly, like I'm learning how to do that even like on the weekends, like, and it seems so yeah. weird, like, but I've lost touch I with what like, it's like to do that. I feel like that's what we are trying to get away from, from the beginning anyway. You know, yep. I felt like our life was so chaotic and, and, and keeping up with everything and, and my job and, you know, marketing myself, my husband marketing himself. And I think that we are falling into that, like, kind of rat race, depression, you know, kind of lifestyle. And I think that's what we really needed was just to decompress and actually not do anything and just be fine with it. Right. But and that's really hard to do. That's I was going to say, so do you just, how do you do it? So you just, like, practice being, like, more stillness or presence or... Oh, shoot. I lost her. Yeah, this is really, this is live. This is me losing a call and calling her back because she's in a really remote part of Northern California. 
Uh, welcome to. <laughs> I know. Well, this is listen. This is all going to be on the podcast. This is how we figure it out. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, as we were saying, like I know it sounds like it's like first world problems um, to yeah. learn how to slow down, but like, did you just try it and keep trying it until it felt right? Yeah, I mean, I think we've had no other choice. And then when we were done um, traveling, we moved up north. So my husband has owned land up here his whole life. And we decided after we traveled, uh, we also went to Costa Rica for a while, too. After we traveled, we were going to come back here. And this is a very small town. I mean, the town is like maybe a thousand people. So like, tell us where you are exactly so I can get a vision. I I think you're in in Mendocino County on the coast. And we're about three hours north of San Francisco. Okay. In a little town called Point Arena. Okay. And we're near, like, it's Mendocino, pretty much. Uh, we live in the county of Mendocino. And, I mean, this is slow living. I mean, we have a house up here. We have 13 acres. We just started a campground because we just had land, you know, and, and we wanted people to experience it. But, I mean, I don't think that I could have moved up here without traveling first because this was like a complete halt. There's like nothing to do up here. <laughs> you know, like it's gorgeous and it's like breathtaking, but it is slow living. You know, like even we're getting to the point where like maybe we need to move on from here. Like you so know, to have something. What does it look like on the daily? Like you don't have to like tell me secrets, you know, but like um, like what is – a day day's activity look like where you are um we start off with like school work i mean that's always like the first thing we do um we go to the beach a lot we go hiking i i just think that you know where i want to be and where i've traveled like i want museums around i want activities for the kids yeah and there isn't this is more of like a retirement community and we've been lucky enough to own this property up here and own our house and so i'm truly grateful but this has made us want to go back and travel Again, okay. You know. So, so that would be the next step for you all is um, more like, t- would you be expats again? Would you, are you thinking about being in other places? Yeah, I mean, okay. I would, I would love to leave the country for an extended period of time. Okay. Uh, Spain and Portugal are my destinations that I really want to go. I'd take, you know, every, all of us to go. We'll go back to Uganda. We go back to Uganda every year or twice a year. Uh, my husband and my youngest son are actually leaving next week. Oh, for a trip? Okay. Yeah. And And, so uh, is your husband still working? Because he can work anywhere. So he's just working remotely? Yeah. So he's a concert promoter. And so he does stuff that way. But he's also looking at businesses in Uganda. Um, They have a lot of avocados there. Are you serious? They actually don't. Yeah, they don't eat the avocados because they're not filling and so he's on a mission to kind of teach people about the importance and the health benefits of avocados. And, uh, yeah, I mean, one guy was using avocado trees as a windbreaker. Like they don't, <laughs> oh they don't gosh, eat avocados. Crazy. They're like gold here. So he's ex- like, yeah. So he's exploring options of export yeah. uh, of avocado and avocado oil. And that's what he's going. I mean, obviously we're bringing Lego and yes. I think we're bringing like a, uh, shipping container. Uh, of Lego, uh, but in, also while he's down there, he's exploring uh, business opportunities. That's great. So, so more travel and more living abroad in your future. Um, yeah, it sounds like. Oh, definitely. I don't see any. Yeah, I don't see any difference. And can I ask you while we're on the top, just because uh, I want to go into your next chapter? We're not going to talk about the specifics, but just about your passion for, you know women our age and well we can talk about it i just want i'm so like oh i need to get it started <laughs> right no but i mean so we'll talk I as much about lot. that as as you feel comfortable but i want to ask you about your boys and micah since he's the older one um one of the things that you know comes up a lot especially with this varsity blues thing is this whole college whackness where um people will yeah. do anything to get into certain schools so since you're world schooling homeschooling you know your children um, living slower. What is that? Do you, does Mike even, is that on his radar even yet? Cause he's so, he's only 13, but he's also 45, you know? So, um, does he think about like college or what he wants to do? Or do you think he'll just be an entrepreneur? I mean, I know it's hard to tell, but I'm just wondering like how the conversation changes when you have way bigger perspective, 
you're not sucked into this vortex of, you know, provincial weird thought about it. Um, like, it's, what does yeah, that I mean, it's, feel it's like? One of, it's, it's like a gift to yeah. not have to be immersed in it, I'll tell you. Um, he wants to be a farmer. And there's agricultural schools up here in the area. And he wants to, like, live a sustainable life. You know, one day he's like, I think I just want, like, a camper on the back of a car and, like, travel the world. And at one point I would have been like, oh, my gosh, what are you talking about? Like, what would the neighbors think? Right. It's just like your parents thought probably when you pulled up roots. I mean, it's like a circle of life thing. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And now I'm just like, yes, please do that. I mean, I've always pushed my kids to do, like, a trade school. You know, uh, looking back at my life now, I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't even know I could do that as a career. You know, like a ceramicist. Yep. My friend's a ceramicist. They make tons of money. I'm like, what am I doing? What You know, like, it was just an interesting how to be older to, like, think of all these things. Like, I'm like, hey, be an electrician, be a plumber. You'll always have a job. Totally. Like, I'm pushing trade, trade, trade. If he wants to go to college or or Logan wants to go to college, I'm, I'm there for him. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's what they're going to be interested in. Right. I'm just going to be there for them you know, and help them make the best decisions without, I mean, my mom's like, no, you have to go to school, you know, because I wanted to go to fashion school, whatever that means. You know, I went to school for fashion marketing. She's like, no, you need to go to school. It's like, okay, well, I went to school. I already know what I want to do. You know, right. and no, it's like how we were raised and though. Came back and I did fashion school. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's an old way of so, thinking. Yeah, and no, I'm totally trade school proponent too it's like those are the people you know like just do what you want like you said interest-based learning um you know trade schools find a passion do that start a nonprofit. like all of that stuff is to me yeah, like where take it's a at. gap year go yep. travel around the world go volunteer with the peace corps i don't know go do something you know like i can't imagine like i mean i i did take like a year or so off from high school to college because i mean i went actually i'm that's wrong. I went directly into college, but then after I did the year there, I kind of took some time to like, you know, just figure some things out. Like, I mean, I knew what I wanted to do. Like right. all these kids don't know what they want to do. And then you get to be 40, I'm 41. And you're just like, maybe I could have done something. Yeah, like what the heck am you I know, doing? I never. Yeah. I never got to experience that. You know, I could have been a photographer or a swim assist or right. some kind of creative you know, something different. The given, world. <laughs> yeah, given the opportunity, given like the, the messaging, given like the life experience. Yeah. yeah. So many things could have led you in a new direction. Right. Of like I'm going to school for business because that's what, you know, I think I'm supposed to do. Yeah. It's like, how empty is that? Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like sad. studying the things that the kids don't want to study that they'll never need. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it seems so pointless. Yeah. So, it's awesome yeah. that you're showing your boys another way. And I think, you know, when you talk about, let's talk about your next chapter, right? Not just the living abroad piece, but also your passion for working with women. You're in your 40s. I just turned 50. Tell me a little bit about why you feel, I know we talk, we've talked about it offline about how we're hurting and confused and need support. Yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit about your passion for that and what kinds of things you want to be doing with that population. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like so many women are hurting around the world. Like I get so emotional about it. I'm like, I get choked up because I don't think women, I don't think we really realize like how much other women are going through because we try to hide it so much, you know, like it's not an open conversation and it's all right. Why do we, like, right why do you think we hide I'm it? I'm curious. I, right. Pardon me? Why do you think we hide it? I mean, I agree with I you. I don't know. I feel like there's just a stigma attached to it. I feel like in our society, no one talks about getting help or therapy. I mean, there's other countries where therapy is, like, a known thing. There's, like, more therapists than, like, normal doctors. You know, like, talking about your problems is important. You know, I was raised in a family where they're like, get over it. Get over it. Get over it. You're you're all right. Well, right. I wasn't Walk it off. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. still yeah. I'm still not over it. You know, and I just feel like you know my husband. He's like, you know, he's down and he's depressed about certain things. And I'm like, you're not special. You're not the only one. I feel like everyone is. 
And he's like, yeah, you're right. You know, I talked to my friends who in my eyes are super successful and they're stressing out every day. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, status you are or how much money you have. Like, I feel like there's so much pressure on people and there's so much stress. I mean, if you aren't stressed out about the political climate or the fact that there's like families being taken away from each other or that there's a, a airplane called the Lolita Express, you know, like yeah. you're then you're then you're you're just having blinders on. Yes. You know, like there's so much stuff going on in this world and I don't think that we're able to express it. For me, it was always like, Well, you know, I did that really hurt me, but you know, at least I didn't get like molested or beaten. You know, like I diminished my feelings totally. because I didn't think that they were as significant as someone who went through something bigger than me. But it was big and it was life changing. You know, like that's where we have to just nip that and say, your feelings matter. This hurts you. You need to have someone to talk to. Yes. And so, and I feel like, you know, I mean, obviously I'm a woman and I want to protect women. And I feel like we live in a society where we're being paid less. We're being, um, you know, marginalized around. Yep. Marginalized, uh, belittled. I mean, there was a point where you could beat your wife. You yeah. know, like we're living in a weird society. <laughs> right. Like, it's not changing too much. And so I am starting this company, and it's really it's called Besties. I mean, it, it's um, not like the it's like Besties like T-shirts. Right. Um, and it's about positive reinforcement words that are on T-shirts that are compliments. They're silent compliments, like. When you're walking down the street, it's something that you can read and smile. You know, like we need to be told you're beautiful, you're worthy, you mean something to me. You know, like that needs to be and we need to make a change now because the girls growing up, it's even worse because of wanting to be liked on social media. And, and you we're know, like sexualized. Things, like, There's so many like girls are sexualized from such a young age with social media and the poses and the outfits and like the and I'm not even I'm not conservative by any means as you know everyone knows, but it's like at what point do we say you know enough? And yeah, I, I'm I'm so scared to see what this comes of. You yeah. know, and I really want. So I my next stances that I want and I have all these things I want to do you know and my head is like reeling you know have project self-esteem like seminars and programs and getting these girls to start feeling good about themselves like I think I grew up with really good self-esteem like I've never really you know like put myself down I don't know I'm not thin and I don't really care I always knew that this would be my body type you know I wear size 10 12 whatever you know, I always, my mom raised me with like really good self-confidence and I just want to like make sure that these women and girls that are growing up, you know, get to experience that. I I love that. And I mean, I I know that again, you are starting this company and it's very early days and there will be other, you know, offshoots besides the product piece, which I always already love. But at this point, you do you have an Instagram? I think you do for besties that people can follow, right? I mean, so. Yeah, right. It's B-E-S-T-E-E-S. So it's actually it's shop besties. Shop Sorry. besties. So S-H-O-P. Shop okay. So I'll put that. Okay. Oh, no, you yeah. go. So Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, what I see coming out of it, yes, it's a t-shirt line, but it's also like, I want to be like, okay, this is like your new best friend. Okay, we're in an age where people are finally getting help with therapy or life coaches and all this stuff. And I don't really know what works and and, and like programs and stuff like that. But I feel like there has to be a forum for just some person to open up and bitch and complain. And it's not to their friend. You know, it's to someone that is completely unbiased. And we talked about like, you don't even need to be like certified. You're just someone to cry. <laughs> exactly. To cry exactly. Like and not even like a therapist licensed, but just someone to support. Yeah. yeah. I almost don't. I mean, I tried to do this life coaching thing and um, this, my life coach talks more about herself than me. <laughs> like, so, uh, obviously the phone. 
Okay, the phone dropped, right, when we were on the conversation. Yes. Well, the phone dropped for 15 minutes, and she didn't even know I was gone. <laughs> and so I had to have a real talk with her. I'm like, look, I know more about you than you know about me. And she's like, you know, we're not really here to listen to your your stories and your stuff. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're, I thought that's why you were here. You know? How else are you going to coach? <laughs> it's like you got to know your story yeah. and your issues. So, I'm like, so I have one experience with that. I'm like, okay, I'm no. over that. But I want to be, I want to parlay this into being there for women, like your new best friend, someone to cry on, someone who, you know, is there just to talk to you. It doesn't have to be some 12 week program that you're writing down all your stuff and you're, you're working through everything. It's just someone to like help you, you know, feel supported and heard. Feel feel supported. Yeah. And And I want those networks, but I mean, like why I say your new best friend, like I, for me and my group of friends, like I don't feel like I can do that with any of them, you know? I feel like they're all going through something and I don't think that they know how to support, you know? Yeah. And you don't want to burden them. But at the same time, I mean, I feel like I, I was just talking to uh, one of the um, women I work with and, you know, she was saying how, you know, like her mother-in-law didn't want to burden anyone, you know, with her stuff. And I'm like, but that's what we're all here for. It's not a burden. I mean, I want to help. I want to hear. So do you yeah. think, I mean, maybe your friends. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the you know? thing. Like going back, like, you know, that see how I program. I'm like, I don't want to burden my friends. You know, it's like, but that's no, not, let's burden each other. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, bring it on because let's if that's. open the conversation. Yeah, I think they want to yeah, be I mean, there you for you. so many things. You're like, oh, wait, you're hurting? I didn't even know you're hurting. You look like you're living a perfect life. Right. You know, like because on Instagram it's looking pretty pretty bomb. I mean, you were exactly. just in France and Spain, but actually you're severely depressed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, if people have ideas for you on how they might want to get involved in this mission, or you know, just I don't know, even thoughts that they might have about it, can they DM you at Shop Besties um, on Instagram? Yeah. Just to, okay. Yeah. Okay, that would yeah, be great. Yeah, we build a community. That's what yeah, I think absolutely. is like, it's all about community. And I, I, th- I think that we're all so hungry for it. I just went to a reunion of a bunch of moms from um, my kids, you know, elementary school. And everyone was just so happy to see each other. And it wasn't just reconnecting, but it was just being in community and being heard and yeah. talking stories, sharing stories. I feel like stories. we're so isolated now. Yes. You know, we feel like we have a lot of friends, but we're more isolated than ever. Do you, you feel know. like from your travels, uh, do you feel like it's this way globally or are other cultures doing a better job of supporting their members? Um, you know, I don't know. Like, it's an interesting dynamic, like, to go around the world and see that women are like second class citizens everywhere. So I yeah. don't really have like a clear perspective. I mean, yeah. women are definitely second class citizens in Uganda, in Croatia, you know, obviously, um, you know, women were in the kitchen and cooking and, you know, the men were out at the bar. You know, it, it's everywhere. I mean, in Egypt, women were wearing black burqas and men were wearing white gowns. You know, it's 115 degrees outside. Yeah. You know, it's like crazy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's doing it great, but I know we're definitely not doing it well at all. Yes. And that, and that's, again, like with Micah, in a toy store with a thing of Legos, you've got to start somewhere. So that's yeah. where, because I think a lot of times as adults, because we've unlearned a lot of stuff and we're jaded and, you know, realistic, quote unquote, we yeah. forget that we need to start somewhere. So we don't have to attack everything. We could just figure out a lane, drive really well in that lane, bring some people along for the ride and make a difference in that way. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I'm so excited Definitely. that you're going to be putting your talents and your passion toward helping women um i'm on board yeah, yeah super yeah. on board no I, yeah no i, I want to do it right yes <laughs> but like don't get so hamstrung to start it that you're just like worried about everything being right as you know because you've been so good about jumping into adventures i know isn't that funny like you do certain things and other things you won't you're like okay i have the confidence like oh you know right but it's maybe it's like there's like a certain bandwidth of like risk taking and and this falls outside of it but i think you know that you're called to it and you'll do it when the time is right. Yeah. So, but for now, yeah. shop besties 
on Instagram. Follow it, DM Leslie with ideas you have, or if you want to get involved, playwellafrica.org to donate Legos or hopefully money for the other parts of the mission. That's very much needed. And this has been so great. Selfishly, I was so excited to have it be Friday, not just because the weekend, but also because I got to talk to you and I haven't talked to you in ages. I know. I wish I was sitting right next to you. I know. Me too. So next time when you're doing the official launch of the National Shop Besties effort, before you go, (laughs) I just want to know that like before you're on the Today Show or some other like stupid morning show that you're going to come to me because I do, I think I get one of the first interviews, I feel. Well, I'll tell you what, when I was thinking about like not talking about it, I'm like, well, when it does happen, like I'm going back on to talk about it. Yay. Okay. So more conversation is forthcoming. (laughs) I I hope I get to come back and talk about it. Yeah, you do. Of course. This podcast is going on forever until I'm like at least 95. So, um, and Murphy will probably be like. And that's another thing, like launching. You're like, I want to do this. And then you did it. Like that. Yeah. And it's, and it's for me, it's, it's a, a, let's just say it's a little easier just to have like my really inspiring, interesting friends talk to me than, you know, starting a movement. But I mean, thank you. And it's been super fun, but I'm excited to watch what you're going to do as as I always am. And thanks so much for sharing about, you know, where you kind of come from philosophically, your adventures with the kids, being super candid about, you know, what you've seen um, and you know, what you're passionate about. And I'm super excited to see what happens next. So until um, we talk again, I'm yeah, so well, thankful thank you. for you and what you're doing and just sending you a ton of love and great energy. And thank you. Um, sending you that too. Thank you. And I love to your family and we'll talk soon. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Leslie. Super fun. Okay, take okay. care. You too. Bye.